Welcome back, everyone, to the Reflux Blues Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beery, and today we have with us Ashley Axios. Ashley, how you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Now, Ashley, you're the incoming AIJ National President. That's right. When's, when's the official term? Like, like we don't want to step on Dana Arnett's toes. He's been no, on the yeah, show before. We don't, want to, we don't want to get in trouble. No, yeah. He's he's the man. He's the president. I begin my term July 1st this year, 2020. So very soon. Yep. So, and you were on the board before, like, like I, you, you're not just jumping in it, because half the presidents seem to just jump in as presidents, and half seem to be promoted, or... Yeah, so we have um, a process of having folks in a, this kind of interim or elect year, traditionally, in addition, because we're going through a lot of changes, we thought it was an important time to make sure that we had the next president as somebody who's been on the board a little bit longer, so I got voted in as our next president after serving three years on the national board. Oh, so you thought you were rolling off because the terms are usually three years. And then they're like, why don't you hang around? Oh, no. I, I put my name in. I was like, okay, do so- I want to walk away? We're doing important work. How do I feel about this? And I was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see it through. <laughs> I'm always curious because I don't, I'm always like, is, is this something you were chose to do? So it, So it is good. Yeah, yeah. What, what are these issues? Like, can you talk about some of the issues that, that they're dealing with? Because I've been reading some things online. Some. Why don't you tell me what you know? <laughs> I won't put you on the spot. But, yeah, I could tell you about some of the stuff we've been, we've been doing. It's been a really big, I'd say we're still in the middle of a big transition for the organization. We have a deficit, like the United States. We're not in the, you know, trillions of dollars like the U.S. deficit is. But, like, AIGA could be in a better financial spot. And so we've been working on that for a while. We want to be making money, growing as an organization, and be able to put those resources back into the community. And so we've been turning things around, adjusting how um, our budget runs, putting in a new executive director, partnered with Dana and a search committee on the board. We created a full process to elect our now executive director, Benny F. Johnson. That was a nine-month process about. Yeah, and when, do, when does Benny start, or has he? He has started, yeah. So he's in week, I'm losing count. He's, he's yeah, about almost two months in now. One, one of the things that, you know, when, when I was a student, I was just like, well, obviously, AIG is just run by designers. But I realized that, you no, know, the executive, who is not a three years and they leave, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's just a permanent job. They actually try to find someone who's actually... Can run a nonprofit organization, not to. Oh yeah, we want we want somebody that's got nonprofit management experience, association experience, at, who knows how to build partnerships, uh, run a like a federated organization. AIJ is different than a lot of other associations and organizations in that we have seventy five really diverse independent chapters across the country who are their own five hundred one c three organizations, and so. That looks different than single organization that's just running things and has direct members. So we um, need an executive director who can work with that system and empower chapters and student groups and our educators community and work within a thriving kind of federated model. And I assume I assume that his resume was set in Franklin Gothic because I believe that's what got Rick <laughs> when we talked to Rick Raffay. 15 years ago, I think that's pretty sure that's how he got the job. He said his resume was set that way, and I assume that that's what Benny did. Yeah, it must be. That's what uh, that's what uh, really works. No, it, it, 
we went through a really thorough process and I'm happy to say that we took off our designer hats completely and looked at it from a different lens, which, well, I'll say though that Benny has, um, well, he's not a designer. He has an art and design background. He's very familiar with it. He's involved with the Smithsonian board. He's, so I think people will be really pleasantly surprised and impressed with just how connected and yeah, just how in tune he is with the needs of designers while knowing that he's not himself a designer. So he's not trying to typeset anything. That's my long way of saying that. Or okay. Choosing typefaces. He's deferring to the designers for, for and I don't. I don't think they've had an executive director that has design experience for decades. I don't know who was before before Julie and Rick, whoever was. But, I mean, they between the two of them held the position for, what, 25 years. So, so whoever, and I don't know who was before that, and neither of them were designers. Correct. Julia had also worked in a creative space before, but was not a direct designer. And Rick was more in the kind of advocacy arena for designers, which is an ad that he kind of brought through. But the organization's changing, which I think is a really positive thing. We want to see support for our communities. We want the National Board of Directors to be in direct kind of connection and strategizing with the leaders of the organization who are full-time employees, not managing the operations and stepping into those roles, but working in a strategic oversight position directly hand-in-hand with the group that's operationalizing and putting the plans into action. And I think we're, we're going to get that. It's not all of the power just in the executive director, and it's not like a shift in the other direction where all the power is in the national board. There's going to be a balance there, and we're all focused, you know, practicing what we preach to a degree. We're all focused in this, like, human-centered design approach of, like, now that we're working together, what are the best, most efficient ways that we can serve our mission and serve the needs of our members and our chapters and our communities, doing this together, working collaboratively. And how many local chapters are there now? Is it... 75 chapters. Oh, okay, last I, don't I heard it was like number. 72. I didn't know, I, but oh, I knew yeah. they, they keep adding them. Yeah, we're we're in a pretty good place with the number of chapters, and we have to do a better job of accounting for our student groups and all of the other groups that we have. And we're looking at ways of connecting people across geography more to not just through like live streams and remote events, but like creating some community between our chapter networks um, and across them. And the, and, and the local chapters actually run separate from the national, from the national organization a bit. Yeah. And I mean, we have to thank AIG for Nebraska for bringing you in. You had a talk last night in, in Omaha that I heard went fantastic. I heard you ran a little over. Yeah, went long. <laughs> went long. That's all right, though. I said if it means I got that, excited. <laughs> lunches that go long, no good. Yeah. Night talks that go long, those are fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think we had a good time. It was a good showing, and uh, I was. I'm happy to be here. So I'm thankful to the AIG Nebraska chapter. Okay, well, we're going to be right back with Ashley. Now, Ashley, you're currently at And Partners. Where do people go to find out? Like, what's the website? It's andpartners.io. So, andpartners.io. Yep, that's right. Okay. But before that, you actually were were in some white building, the White House, something (laughs) like that. I think I've heard of it. Yeah, do you know the address? A lot of people know the address. I, I think I do. I don't know the zip code. Oh, yeah, that is. Yeah, nobody knows the zip code. But I, I'm assuming if I just wrote 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, D.C., they would stuff would get there. 
It might go to the wrong region, though, because DC is broken into quadrants. So you could send something to, you'd want to send it to Northwest, and then it would go to the White House. But if okay. you send it to Southwest or Northeast, you'd, you'd potentially send it to a business or somebody else's house. But don't you want that address now that you know that there are similar addresses in DC, that you could have a 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in another, potentially in another quadrant of the city? I don't know if I do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I want to tell people that's my address. Like you're right. I want to tell people that because that's cool. But I also don't want the mail that would accidentally just show up. I know. Yeah, you wouldn't have like the Secret Service to screen it for you. So. Oh yeah, I was just thinking the the volume. I remember yeah. we toured like Yankee Stadium before they tore it down, and saying like Jeter was still playing at the time. I think he got like thirty or forty pounds of mail a day. They they, they explained it in weight. And I'm like, I just don't want to do. If 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 the post office shows up and they and they and I have I can't even count it. They just I just have to put it on a scale. I don't want that. <laughs> that's fair. I think because I'm gonna fair. miss the one letter I actually do need. Yeah. <laughs> what so what what did you do? And, and, and this was this was the the previous term. You, yeah, you the Obama through. White House specifically, not uh not the Trump White House. Yeah. So when you what, well, well, I got a question on that. When when you actually put that on your resume, do you actually list like when you say you worked for the White House, do you actually list what administration it was, or do you just like yeah. is that a thing? I do. I, I write out Obama White House to make it clear, and that's pretty natural since I was a political appointee. It's it's not like my role could carry over between administrations, so it's fairly natural to just kind of clarify which administration I was a part of. That might be a little bit weirder for somebody who was in a more of a staff, non-political role to indicate the, the yeah, administration. Yeah, because they may have worked for multiple. Right, yeah. So you get that with our the ushers in the White House, and yeah, there's some, some military personnel, and really not a whole lot of folks that don't turn over with the administration, but there are, are a few individuals in that camp. And, and, and how does that go? Like, like you're, you're a political appointee, but do you actually apply to to work in those things, or are you, like, recruited? In my case, you know, kind of both. I Somebody had reached out to me, but I went through an application process. And there's the checking you to see if you're the right person for this particular role, traditional interview process, except for it's terrifying because you have to go through secret service, like the... Oh. Um, security to get through and you're wearing a badge and feeling really, if you're me at least, really uncomfortable in this like fancy space that you never imagined yourself in. Uh, and then there's the other layer once you're approved and they're interested in having you in the role of actually going through and getting like FBI clearance for for the position, which is not like the traditional interview. And No, I, I mean, I've had <laughs> some, I mean, I've heard the, you know, Background checks, I think, are fairly familiar, and a lot of times you don't even know they happen. But I think you know if there's an FBI check on you. Oh, yeah. They they make you fill out a form that gives all your history and talks about every place you've ever lived and names people, every foreign national you know. And you have to submit a whole lot of stuff, and then they interview and ask you uncomfortable questions, and then they talk to friends of friends of friends to vet you. And this is this is for a creative director role. That's right. Which, that, that boggles my mind. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I, I was not privy to things that weren't going to be made public at least fairly soon, right? They weren't yeah. telling me things that um, that weren't going to be part of 
public dialogue in the in the near oh, okay. future. Okay, that, that but, makes sense. So I didn't have to have a, a high security clearance level or anything like that. But everybody in the White House just had to go through some of that just as standard because you're in proximity and you you have access and are just a part of a, a group that requires it. So what kind of work does a, does a creative director at a, at a White House in a normal administration actually do? Probably varies widely. As far as I know, we are the first administration to have creative directors, and I'm not sure that they do currently in the Trump administration. But even for us, it, it shifted from when things first started to Kodiak Star was the first creative director, and he set up some initial White House, Obama White House, brand styles and figured out all the basic marketing and communications materials and some of that stuff. And over time, it expanded to be really managing the brand of the White House as Barack Obama, as well as the historic institution, museum executive office, residents and all that that side of things and communicating the increasingly complex policy that was being developed by the administration to the American people, so like communications apparatus, but the communications office in the White House was much more focused on working with press. So we were using social media, digital media, because we're based in the Office of Digital Strategy to really communicate directly with the public through through digital means. and. Because our team was really small, the Office of Digital Strategy was 20 people. The design team went from one person to, to three people. We also managed all of our, our platforms, our product designers, as well as interactive, visual, communications, writing, hand-coding things. It's a really scrappy, small team, in-house type of environment. Yeah, and this is unrelated to the team that actually works on, on elections, because we, we okay. spoke to a couple of people who did that a few years ago, and, and, and that's a different, I assume they're even on, like you're actually in the White House. I believe yeah. I believe re-election campaigns have to be held off-site. I think there's laws. Yeah, Hatch Act, we could not, uh, never the two shall meet type of uh, rules and, and regulations there. So we did not collaborate or cross over. The campaigns had really specific goals of getting folks elected, re-elected into office, fundraising goals and more traditional marketing and had a lot, uh, were able to do paid ads. Um, we had to be a little bit more scrappy. We were in-house in government. All of our funds were restricted, limited in number of employees, talking about hundreds of different policy areas in any given day, and unable to do any paid marketing or advertising with using public dollars, taxpayer dollars. Sure. So, yeah, that, that that just seems like, and, and, and I'm assuming that most of the people there had not done this before. Like, this was all, oh, like, a lot of this was House? new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and including myself, like, I hadn't worked in government before. I care about using design for social change and um, making a positive impact through design, and working in the Obama White House was a fantastic way to do that, but... The White House was never on my radar. The government was never on my radar as a way to do this. I believe that's true for Cody, who I mentioned was a creative director before me, and for the other designers and their team. They're people that go into political science because they want to work in the White House, and they don't usually end up on the creative team, right? So they're no. very different. Um, I, I don't know. Path. I don't know a single designer, <laughs> or I haven't met one yet, 
where you say, what do you want to do? And they said, you know, I think, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the White House as a designer. I've never heard that. Well, hopefully, hopefully we're starting to inspire folks, but maybe not for this administration. <laughs> I'll just put that out there. I don't know if you want to for this administration. Well, you, as you said, they may not have anybody there. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe they have a digital team or, or really a creative team in-house right now. But I think there's so much work, um, really important, really valuable work to be done in government. There are services that people rely on, that hundreds of thousands of people, sometimes millions of people rely on every day for their health, for the welfare of their family. And if you care about making an impact and using design to do so, it's a really fantastic place to contribute and feel like you're you know, impacting the lives of, of people around the world. And you can't get that in many other places. So I encourage people, I'm hoping to see more and more people looking to, to work in government spaces and not just working with government as it is today, but also helping challenge government because it needs to get better. Just because there's opportunity there doesn't mean it's government's doing everything right. It's so much wrong. That's why there's so much opportunity. Is So much is so terrible, not just... I think some of the folks don't even remember healthcare.gov's technical issues because enough time has passed, but not even just were those types of issues. Were you around when that launched? Like, how long, how long was your actual term in the White House? Um, I started in the beginning of 2012 and through 2016, so two and a half years about, or four and a half years about total. I don't know why I said two. Yeah. Four and a half years total. Um, so it was nice to be a part of the first term. You can really feel things change, I think, from first term to second term or what we ended up calling in the end like the end of the fourth quarter was like a totally different feel we kept being like okay we'll save some of those ideas we can get a little crazy the end of the fourth quarter <laughs> like sure it's when you throw your hail marys and <laughs> try to get some some last things in to me the fa- one of the fascinating parts is that and, and, and we know in this in all professions it's not people don't say like, hey, I'm going to work here for 20 years. Most jobs aren't like that. But you kind of, until you're told that you no longer work there, until you get another job, that's, you know, you, you feel there's some Space. sort of. Yeah. But but in that case, you kind of know that, oh, I am, I guess yeah. this job is, regardless of what happens, my job is is with, you know, this this term, and it, it just ends. Yeah. Yeah, it's a powerful thing because you know what you're focusing on it can make it easier because you're working really long hours and so intensely to be like to know that you have you're doing this for a shorter period of time and that you've got to make the most of that time but also I'll be honest like the first bit of the time that I I worked in the White House that wasn't even like nearly a consideration because you're like how do I get through the next month (laughs) like okay you know not that it's bad it's just so like intense such long hours and it's incredibly collaborative and meaningful but also like it's a lot you're putting so much into it that even four years feels like a really long time and joining in 2012 early I didn't know if I was going to have a year oh because there's another election so you don't you'd be like I could be here four months yeah so it's like okay like is this a year or is this going to end up being closer to, to five years and even then I was like okay that first year was like Ooh, can I can I do this? <laughs> and then that first election, you know, that I was on the White House side for was okay. Well, feels a little bit like they're voting on 
how well we've done too. Like you've got this huge public criticism. You know, designers were used to crit, but it's a little bit different. Of yours is very high profile and nationwide. Yeah. <laughs> like like when we do things, like it may be seen in a market. Or it may be seen in one city, but I'm assuming most of the work you did, you're like, oh, this is seen by, well, everybody. Yeah, seen by quite a few people. So being judged at that level, you're, like, you're voting on one person, but you're voting on all of us. Like, we're all kind of feeling like, how do we How do? We do? I guess we'll find out how, how many people like us um, <laughs> the end of this week. And then there are also those smaller moments that are more project-specific, too. I remember one state of the union, it's so hard, we're working our butts off to get this product out and we thought it went pretty well didn't have time yet for the retros before that and state of the union almost always happened on like tuesday tuesday night and you work through the weekend the couple weeks before really long hours and then you work through the week it's not like you get the next days off oh right just because you know it happened on a tuesday so you go in the next day and we're like tired we're just trying to like keep the energy going do all the follow-up to the event and I like checked NPR and there was this like long piece that was like criticizing our design and it was just like breaking down like little things in some of our graphics that we got wrong and like just a full public blog post crit of <laughs> our design. Oh. And I was like, I think this is going to be helpful, but right now I'm so raw. <laughs> I'm just so <laughs> tired. <laughs> um, I, I can't process it. So I had to wait like almost a year before the next day of the union, I had bookmarked it. And I was like, okay, okay this is the time. Now we're gonna go through, we're gonna look at this really closely and make sure we don't make these mistakes again and take this, intake the, the feedback in this. But it's hard sometimes, you can't take it all as it comes in, because we, I was like, I'm too tired. I need to just be proud that I didn't implode yesterday. <laughs> right. No, that's great. Well, we're gonna be right back with Ashley Axios. So Ashley, how did you how did you get into design? Like I know I know you were like, hey, I want to work for the White House when you were a kid, and obviously that happened. And then you're like, hey, I want to be the AIGA president, and that just happened. I mean, that, I'm assuming that was that was the only goals you had, and there was no path to get there. Huh, yeah, right. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's that's not how careers work, obviously. Okay. No, but I I did know that um, I was a kind of creative kid, so I think I. And I was lucky enough to be a part of a family that encouraged and kind of provided me tools to explore my creativity more. And so I knew I wanted to do something artistic when I was really little, and I wanted to pursue that. And over time, I kind of got more familiar with the power of design. Now, where did you grow up? Was it in D.C. or did you move there later? I was born in the D.C. area and then moved to New Jersey and grew up mostly in New Jersey. And, and you, but you always had like this creative New Jersey passion. kills conversations. I heard the pause. <laughs> I've, I've only been there once, and it was just and it was just at the airport, and then we, you know. The I know, it's a terrible was, experience. It was Newark, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. It was. <laughs> it's been a while. It was, I don't, I don't remember good or bad. I just remember being in an airport, a large airport that was somehow an hour away from the place you need to go. Yeah. No, no airports are in like really lovely locations, at least that I've found. But anyways, yeah, I grew up mostly in New Jersey, uh, which was nice because I was able to go up to New York and take some classes at Fashion Institute of Technology for drawing and had access to things that um, I wouldn't have 
had access to, I don't think, otherwise. Was that the original thing? You're like, hey, let's go into fashion, or did you just... Oh, no, not not fashion. I like to draw. I like to, to make things. I, I have always been really empathetic and like helping people. The type of kid that would cry about homelessness and like... Okay. The temperature drops outside, and it's like, I know there are people who don't have a home, and so I'm upset. And so I think over time, I was able to start seeing these pieces as potentially being connected, but that took a lot of time. I job shot out a uncle who worked in advertising and found that fascinating to be on a commercial shoot and see how brainstorms went, but I didn't like what they were selling. <laughs> so uh, then I got this kind of inclination that they're Maybe it's the things that we're selling, and there's like there's a way to kind of do this to use the like psychology stuff is kind of fun, and to use design and creativity to do really meaningful things. But what does that look like, and what are those careers? And I really didn't know, and I pursued design. I went to art school and got a majored in graphic design, but was still kind of the odd person out there. I knew I wanted to major in graphic design because I needed, I felt I needed those skills. But I kind of saw it as a gateway to something else, and I still didn't know exactly what that something else was like. I was following my values. I knew I wanted to do good in the world and respecting the skills I had and was continuing to try to hone those skills really thoughtfully and trusting that these things would increasingly align over time. And they did, and it worked out really well, but I, I... I got made fun of a bit along the way because some opportunities that came up and people were like, oh, yeah, if you get a chance to work at Hearst for Marie Claire, do the internship there, like, you should do that. It's fancy. It's in New York. It's in a beautiful Hearst building. It overlooks Central Park. Like, it's obviously gorgeous, but the other opportunity that I was able to see that year for an internship was at this organic plant food company called TerraCycle in a factory in Trenton, New Jersey, employing local people, using only recycled materials. And I was like, oh, that fits my values better though. Like it fits like what I, the change I wanna see happen more. So even though it felt like a weird call, I was kind of following my heart and just being like, I know I'm getting made fun of and people were like, Ashley, what are you doing? <laughs> like, don't you wanna make your money back? You gotta pay student loans, yeah. like. Big cash. <laughs> Right by Central Park, like those are those are good things. But but, yeah. we, I I teach a night class, and one of the projects that 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 it was in one of the classes I taught is it's like they have to do like an ad campaign. But I always tell the students is like you know it's like we're selling something. You have to sell something here. But it's like that doesn't necessarily mean product. Yeah. You know you can sell an idea. You yes. like these things, and and so like the things you're doing in the White House is is still selling even if there's no money involved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean no like no customer paying cash for X totally. item like that's yeah totally you know strategic communications it's selling an idea and just being really thoughtful communicators and using our, our visual capabilities to assist that but I'll say I like designers sometimes we put ourselves in a box and I would encourage people to work on their writing skills even if they're better as a visual designer than they are at a writer and a Spend some time doing those things if you don't want to be a developer. Like, get familiar with code, the things that interact with the spaces that you want to work in, because it does make us stronger. And I, I find myself doing, leaning on the uh, complementary skills to help me be a better designer and leader. 
What, what was the thing you remember most from your internship in Jersey? Was uh, it the not having the view of the Central Park? <laughs> the smell. Okay. <laughs> was that there? The smell is yeah, what yeah. I remember <laughs> the most. Okay. <laughs> but it was a really, like, fun environment. I Like, I learned more than I could have planned on learning. I learned all about, like, PR. They were being sued by um, miracle Grow. And their stuff didn't look anything like Miracle Grows, but it, in my opinion, it was one of those like big, big companies trying to squash out the little guy who's growing really fast. So I also yep. learned about like the tension in business that happens and how that can affect design because they're like, oh, well, don't use that color anymore. We might can just no longer be, use green. Yeah, we might just need to move away from that color entirely. I wouldn't have had exposure to all of those dynamics if I wasn't in this kind of startup environment and in that like specific spaces of time. No, that's 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 fantastic. So, what advice do you give to the to the young ones? Um, and then for, for our last question, like someone who's who's currently in school that's graduated. Hmm, I'd say. Um, Other than obviously join AIGA, you're gonna you're gonna. I mean, I think oh, yeah. I think you're legally obligated to say that now, right? <laughs> that's part of the part of the president job is now you have to say that for at least the next it's, two years. It's part of what I'm advertising uh, okay. now. Yes, people should absolutely join AIGA. Um, early. St- Go to a local event, participate in the community. Yeah, I went to local events for years before actually joining. Like, I think I went for, like, five years before actually signing up. Like, they do, they will let you attend most of the time. <laughs> That's true. You can't attend most events. And the important thing is to be a part of the community, although I say you get a lot of value out of becoming a member, too. But enough of that. I think the main thing that I would say is to, um, it's going to sound cheesy. I'm just going to go for it. To like follow your heart. It's tempting to try to fit into the buckets that other people have painted. And some of the most enjoyable, fun, fulfilling work is going off the beaten path. And it takes being brave and being self-aware and working on yourself continually to get there. But if you follow your heart, you can find a space that's, that's different and unique to you. There are so many industries that don't have design talent that don't have creative talent in them that would really benefit from them and if we all just keep going to the same types of places and doing the same types of work it's gonna take the value away from our field overall and it's not going to lead to the most fulfilling kind of careers for each of us individually so and I think that's especially important early on to get to start to get in touch with like what brings you joy out of the work that you do and what do you really like doing? And experiment if you don't know, that's totally fine. But like experiment and, and listen to how you respond and how you feel after you do something. Sometimes, Although, sometimes you take that job because because it's there and you think it's what you want, and you find out right away. Nope, this this which was is not, valuable. Yeah, right? yeah. You don't you don't have to stay there. So yeah. I tell people you don't have to stay there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a fantastic learning, too, to be like, well, I don't like that. But I'd say give something a shot, because the first time I drew a logo, I was like, this sucks, I'm bad at it, it's terrible. And then you do have to give something enough time to really know if you like it or not. But try things and and just pay attention to, to what fulfills you and go towards, yeah, go off the beaten path. Look for the spaces that um, fulfill you that nobody else is already filling it's like your own business model. Where can you be meaningfully distinct from the rest? Well, thank you, Ashley, and thanks for AIG Nebraska for bringing you in, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you. Bye.
Oh, hey, we, we've got a, we've got a question here. We got John Golly from AIG Nebraska. John, thanks for bringing in Ashley. You said you said you we've got a listener question. Yes. Um, the, the the question that I've heard, person doesn't want to want want to be, be named. named. Oh, geez, um, this is a bad question. Anonymous. But the the question is when when you're out and you're trying to sort of decide. Okay, this is the thing that my heart is leading me to, and let's say that thing is designed for good. Are there resources to look for, like, remote jobs in that design-for-good space? Yeah, there absolutely are. Um, a listserv, a couple of friends of mine have put together design-for-good jobs. So I'll plug that because they created it. They're pulling from all different resources. It just lists um, Where do you find it? ethical jobs. Um, the, uh, <laughs> pull the handle up. It's design-for-good jobs. I think it's just designforgoodjobs.com, but we should double-check that. Yeah, double-check that. We'll put that link in the... Yeah, we'll put it in the post, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> He's like, I'm cutting this section. No, that, I mean, that, that's going to take that's gonna take me upwards of like an extra minute. <laughs> I'm on a schedule here, people. <laughs> but yeah, the, so there's there are a couple of resources like that that are um, incredibly helpful, but you're asking more, less about the resources and more about like how do you go about yeah how do you how do you these? get into that you know like you mentioned the the, the job in the, the Newark not Newark in New Jersey that was more you know along your heart like it took me as a professional over a decade to sort of find that thing that now I'm there so I also like students know like it could take you a while oh, until you while. find that yeah you know that thing and you still need to obviously pay the bills and so you take other jobs but you learn from them like oh no this job's horrible but you learn a lot. Yeah, I think part of it is like, there's so many layers to it, but part of what I'm learning, and it's taken me a while too, is like saying out loud to other people you trust and you care about what you're enjoying, what you want to do. Like you're so much harder to get the thing that you want if you don't, you know, not to be all soft about it but like speak it out into the world but once people know they can help be a resource and look for those and people want to see one another succeed so that's a big piece I'd say is like as you're learning to tell friends connections to develop mentorships and bounce ideas off of other people who could then become your ambassadors and help draw the connections into the fields that you want to. Some people take that really far and they feel like, I got that one person that I'm going to follow and I want to be just like them. I like, wouldn't connect it with a person or a very specific role, but even broadly talk about what you don't like, but you like and what's working for you with one another. Yeah, people people give, they give work based on also what you do, so or what you show. Like, don't show anything that's not stuff you want to be doing. Yeah, that's Well, thanks, John, and thanks to Anonymous. Yes, thank you. Anonymous question giver. So. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Murray is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab.